0: Welcome to FHOP Church, Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Well, good morning. What a great introduction to the one who desires to speak to us this morning. I'm so thankful for the way that God orchestrated this opportunity for me to be here this morning. Um, I was eating lunch by myself Friday, and I was just meditating on John 15, and the Holy Spirit was opening some things up in my heart and mind. I was like, oh, God, that's good. Is there going to be a chance to share that at any time? And an hour and a half later, Drew texted me and said, would you preach for me Sunday? And, And so I really feel like the Holy Spirit has prepared this word for this morning, in particular. So uh, if you've got a Bible, open to John chapter 15. I don't know what you guys usually use. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, and I think it's a great idea to have a variety of translations out there so you can see kind of more of the depth of what God said. There's no such thing as a perfect translation, and we get close If we look at the sum of several of what they've said, it's not perfect. It it would be so much better if we all spoke Greek and Hebrew, but we don't, right? So we're going to do the best that we can, and we've got the Holy Spirit, so it's all right. Um, Would you just stand with me as we read the first eight verses? Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser." If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Thanks be to God for his holy word. You may be seated. It's to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. Who's the judge of much? How do you know if you're bearing much fruit? I would suggest to you that you don't. And that on the day of judgment that what is now hidden will be made manifest. And I'm trusting and praying to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, on that day, but How do you know? Because I'll just speak for myself and say, when I analyze the way that I walk and the output of my life as I perceive it, I go, oh God, is that all I've got? But I would like to remind you, along with myself this morning, of what Jesus said he would say to the sheep on his right hand. Welcome you, beloved of my Father, because when I was hungry, when I was sick, when I was in prison, when I was naked, you ministered to me. And I have to say to you this morning that those sheep, us, will be confused at that time and say something like, God, that sounds really nice. You're so gracious. But I think you've got us confused with better people. Because, sorry, we didn't do those nice things you just talked about. And then he'll remind you and me As much as you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me, and then he'll bring to mind things you did and overlooked and he treasured, and he meant you to overlook the things that he treasured so that you wouldn't coast on it. He's seeking to cultivate a heart of desperation in people like you and I, so that we don't look at something I've done and go, oh yeah, yeah, he treasured that, so I'm just going to take it easy for a little bit. No, I feel desperate. And he wants me to feel desperate because I've overlooked what he wanted me to overlook. And it's good for me to wait for that day for him to bring to mind the things that he treasured. But I think it's a great question to ask. How do we know if we're bearing much fruit? Because the other half of that is it would be a tragedy for me to say, yeah, in my estimation, I think I'm just knocking it out of the park. I am doing awesome, and God must be so pleased with me. (laughs) Is that a safe place to stand? Not very. I fear for God to plant and to take good care of me and to expect much and to find little. I fear that. And I think it's a healthy fear. I would recommend this fear to you as well to the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. These words are supposed to pull us forward. I long for the Father to have all the glory that he deserves, that he expects from my life. If that's you, say amen. But what are we talking about? What does Jesus have in mind when he speaks of fruit? I want to take some time to just pull apart these eight verses this morning and digest the words. Let's ask the further blessing of God before we go any longer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for speaking and for arranging by your Spirit to have these words written down for our benefit so that we might abide in you, so that we might bear much fruit, so that the Father might have the glory he deserves. Lord, open our hearts and our minds, and I pray that you would bless my mouth. This morning, for the glory of your name, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So the the way I want to take this apart is in three parts. I want to talk first about who Jesus is and what he does, because he's the center, right? Secondly, I want to talk about who the Father is and what he does. And thirdly, because this is the last place of importance, but it matters because it's us. I want to talk about who we are and how we bear fruit. So, um, who Jesus is, verse 1, he says, first of all, I am. (laughs) And before we get any further than that, Jesus is God. And uh, he says after that, I am the true vine. So I'm going to address vine first and then true. Jesus is the central part of an organism of which you are a member. One organism. And the goal of a, of a vine, a grapevine, right, is to bear fruit. But what is this, why does he say true vine here? Jesus is the source for you and I. We're just branches. We're tapped into him. We're connected to him, and what flows through him to us? It's truth. Truth. So Jesus is to us the source of truth. Jesus prayed a couple chapters later, John 17, 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Truth. So we can kind of extrapolate just a little bit and say that Jesus ministers to us his word, which is truth, which is himself, who is the truth. John 14, 6 says so. So um, let's see. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit So I just want to note that all branches, if you are a branch, you abide in him. That's what makes you a branch. His life source is what makes you what you are in him. And then skip down with me to verse 5. Jesus says again, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. What do you expect to achieve for the glory of God apart from Christ? That's the right expectation. We have no hope to do anything worth doing for the glory of God apart from being attached to Christ. He's our only hope for fruitfulness. And I think we're all born hoping for fruitfulness. Every dream for ministry is a dream for fruitfulness. Every vocational dream is also a dream for fruitfulness. And it came to us right at the very beginning. Jesus said, let us make man in our own image. And he created them male and female. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. I I was talking to one of my teenage sons about this recently. And he kind of giggled a little bit like, I was going to give him a sex talk or something, because it sounds like, I mean, you're saying one thing two ways, this is poetry, right? No, I don't think so, actually. I I think he's saying two things that don't necessarily have anything to do with reproduction. Not physical reproduction, but fruitfulness is all about the, the, the command that he says right after that, take dominion of the earth. We're supposed to be operating in such a way vocationally, spiritually, ministerially, in the world that we improve it. We take the desolations and we make them ordered. If you're a carpenter, you take a pile of building materials and you make a building out of it. If you're an accountant, you take numbers and you put them in the proper order so that they make sense and the IRS doesn't do you wrong. Every career is making order out of disorder. It's doing something fruitful to make the world a more habitable place. So what about multiplying? That's when you teach somebody else to do what you do. Now, it has implications for physical reproduction, and I'm not going to talk about that right now because it's maybe slightly irrelevant to what the Holy Spirit wants to communicate today. But... Our only hope for fruitfulness, that is to fulfill the purpose, the destiny for which he created our race, is to be attached to Christ. And then verse 7. Who is Jesus, and what does he do? If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. Does that sound dangerous to you? Could you go some dangerous places doctrinally with this? It's been done. And I'm not trying to move you to a dangerous place. I'm trying to move you into the place that Jesus wants you to be. And I will tell you this morning, it's dangerous not to be there. Jesus' words are truth. We'll be talking more about Jesus as we go through the whole thing because you can't take Jesus out of this text and have it mean anything. But I want to turn now and focus on what Jesus says about who the Father is and what the Father does. In verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Well, let's just make a decision right now who needs the ministry of the vine dresser is it the vine or the branches yeah there's nothing lacking in the vine there's nothing to be improved in Jesus he's God how do you get better than that so the ministry of the father who is almighty who is all-knowing who is love the ministry of the father is for you The branches and the vine. His concern is for your health and your productivity. That's good. He's the vine dresser. Let me read verse 2 and then I'll say something else that just occurred to me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, the Father takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, the Father prunes that it may bear fruit more fruit. So one of the things the father does is he removes unfruitful branches. Do you remember when Jesus told the parable of the man who sowed good seed in his field and overnight an enemy came and sowed bad seed among the good seed and it sprang up together and when it was mature enough for anybody to tell the difference his servants came to him and said Master, I thought you sowed good seed. What's up with weeds growing up? And the master said, An enemy has done this. And the servant said, Okay, the enemy's work. So do you want us to go in and pull them up? And he, the master said, No, because if you do that, if you do that, you'll destroy some of the grain. Wait until the harvest. And at the harvest, first gather the weeds and then gather the wheat into my barn. What you can't do, the Father can do. An unfruitful branch is not something that you or I are equipped to take out without doing damage to the real children of God. But the Father can, can and does do this, and I expect you've seen it happen. You've seen people come into the church, and you can't put a hand on their shoulder and say, Jesus loves you, get out. How do you do that without doing something wrong? And the answer is, you can't. You and I are not equipped to to do what the Father alone is equipped to do. But he does it, and I think you've seen it. People who don't bear fruit don't belong to in the church is that too hard and we're not the ones who take care of that the father takes care of that thirdly we've already read it the branches that are fruitful he prunes is anybody reading out of old king james this morning nobody well that's a wise decision honestly because we don't talk like that anymore and you know part of the goal of taking the word of God into you is that it should come back out of you and and we don't talk the way they did in in 1611 or whatever it was right the English language has evolved evolution does take place in languages it happens all the time and we simply we don't Th- that's not effective communication. And so if you take the King James into you, what's going to come out of you at the proper time? King James. The Holy Spirit's able to use that. I don't want to throw the translation under the bus in its entirety. If you are reading in the old King James, it just came back as a dim memory. He d- didn't say prune in the King James. He said purges, or probably purgeth. So it, it was confusing to me after reading verse two about cutting off the unfruitful vi- the unfruitful branches and pruning the fruitful branches that they might become more fruitful. To, to suddenly come across verse three where Jesus says, "Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you." I'm like, "What?" It, it seems like you're moving in a straight line, talking about abiding and fruitfulness and then you just take this hard left turn, talk about clean, and then you're back on track talking about abiding in fruitfulness. And, and it just... I, I, And then it came back to me what the King James said, and so I began to wonder, what what if in the Greek, prune and clean came from the same root word? So I grabbed my Greek New Testament and turned to John 15. And it is that. It is that. So... I I don't know why the ESV translators chose to do this but there's no continuity the way that they have these words written between prune and clean. But clean doesn't really communicate the idea of cutting back things that don't belong. Just out of all honesty, are there things that still don't belong in you that are there in spite of the fact? Yeah, if if we're honest, he doesn't bring us all the way from salvation to glory in one fell swoop. There's this process of sanctification by which he gradually adds things and removes things, right? Isn't that your testimony? So, I, I can see how cleansing is kind of this idea of taking away things that don't belong. But pruning is a better way to communicate that. But, I think it would have been helpful to translate verse 3, already you are pruned because of the word that I've spoken to you. And honestly, it takes some of the threat out of those words. Because I don't know how you've heard John 15 preached before, but it always has sounded a little threatening to me. Oh, you're the fruitful branch. Good. God's going to hurt you. Oh, Uh, Awesome! I I feel built up by that. Thank you, brother. And verse 3 says, You who've heard my word and responded by faith and are now attached to me, the true vine, you've already been pruned by my word. Already you're poised for fruitfulness. Already I've done the painful work that needed to be done in you. Is that helpful? That helped me. Um, What else does the Father do? Verse 6 If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And I would propose to you that it's the Father who gathers the branches and throws them into the fire where they're burned. Is that hard? Yes and no. Yes and no. Nobody should rejoice that there are branches who are thrown into the fire. The Father doesn't. But have you considered that apart from Christ, we would all be headed to the fire? And, And that it's only that he showed great mercy on you and on me that we're not destined for the fire. We're not destined for destruction. And so we have something to say to those who are on the ground and ready to be gathered up and burned. It doesn't have to be this way for you. God has the power to graft you in again. Would you hear his word, respond to him by faith, and again be attached to the true vine? So, the father throws away, the father gathers, the father puts in the fire, but it's not his fondest wish to do so. And he's busy right now gathering people from off the ground and grafting them back into the vine who is Christ. Verse 8. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This is the goal of your bearing fruit, that the Father should receive the glory he deserves. And now, let's talk about us. Who are we, and what does fruit-bearing look like, according to Jesus? Back to verse 1. I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Actually, let's let's skip down to verse 4. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So this abiding in Christ that he's commanding, he, he goes over and over and over again. Verse four, verse five, verse six, verse seven. We abide in Christ. I think this would be a great place to ask how. I've already answered that question to some extent. We abide by faith. We cling to Christ by faith. We're united with Christ by faith. So how does faith come? Romans ten seventeen. faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, right? So this, this morning, I hope, is good for your faith. It's more hearing, and faith thrives in this environment. Um, So we abide in Christ, and he gave this cause-and-effect relationship. We abide, and we bear fruit. You don't bear fruit by your effort, right? You don't squeeze real hard, and then out comes fruit. No. You, You put all your effort into resting in Christ. And his life is the one that brings the fruit forth. He's the one in charge of our fruitfulness. We have only to rest in Him, abide in Him, cling to Him, maintain faith in Him. So we bear fruit. It says so in verses 2, 4, and 5. What is it? Because I I want to run real quick to Galatians 5.22, but I shouldn't. I don't need to. Because Jesus defines what fruit is right here in this passage we just read. And it would be helpful to us, I think, to listen to what Jesus says instead of drawing our own conclusions. I I don't say that what Jesus says is contrary to Galatians 5.22. He's not the enemy of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He he intends to do those things as we abide and rest in Him, but that's not what he talks about at the end of this passage. Let's look what he does say. I'm going to read verses 7 and 8 together. This is this is amazing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Do you see it? Asking and receiving as you abide in Christ is the fruit bearing that he's talking about in particular. How does this make any sense? Because you could very easily take that doctrine and run with it and say, God just wants me to have anything I want. Maybe. Are you abiding in Christ? Because if the center of your life is being attached to him who's the true vine, and if your life comes to you by the word of God, the truth of God, coming through Christ and into your life, you can't want wrong things. So I'm not really trying to make a license for you to just write your own fleshly wish list and pray through it expecting that God will meet your fleshly demands because he's not about that. He's about bringing glory to God. So what does God want? If you can ask whatever you want, what should you want? Well, First of all, yeah, yeah, God be glorified. Well, how is he glorified? let me just take I, I didn't I think it's a great practice to stay in one place instead of flipping all over the Bible, but the whole Bible explains the whole Bible. So let me just take you one place. I won't go nuts with this, but first John chapter five, it's I'm taking you here because it's a parallel and I think it's a good explanation regarding what we ought to ask for if we can ask for anything. First um, John chapter five. I'm going to read verses 14 through 17. This is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Does that sound large to you? If he hears you, you have the requests that you've asked. That's big. So, what do you ask for? He says, in the next verse, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. So, What's the difference, by the way? You've probably heard it taught, all sin is sin. A white lie is the same as committing adultery. I do don't think that's the teaching of the Bible, actually. There are things that God hates, and there are things that God hates worse. So where's the line between sins that lead to death and sins that don't lead to death? Can you as a Christian sin in such a way that you're no longer attached to Christ? I believe the Bible teaches that. can you also sin in such a way that you need some kind of spiritual intervention, but you're not dead yet? Yeah, that's exactly what John just said. There are sins that do not lead to death, and you, the brothers and sisters, have an ability to intercede for those sins. And you ought to. If you can ask for anything, ask for the restoration of brothers. Ask for the restoration of sisters. Back to John 15. Atonement and reconciliation to the glory of God. Is God glorified by covering over sin and pouring out grace? Absolutely. And these are the things that we ought to be asking him for more than anything else. Are your needs important? Sure. Yeah, when when Jesus gave his model prayer, uh, one of the lines was, give us this day our daily bread. And and that was all (laughs) he really talked about there in the model prayer. You don't need to go on and on about how needy you are. He knows it. And it's right to say something, but not for that to be the bread and butter of our prayers. I have real needs, but they're small, because I have a great God. But... When I look at the soul need of a brother or sister who's fallen into something, and they desperately need to be reconciled, they need to be rescued, they need the blood of Jesus to cover them afresh, they need to come to a place where they confess their sins and find Him faithful and just to forgive them their sins and to cleanse them from that unrighteousness. That's a big thing. But again, we have a big God. So I think it's amazing that here in the house of prayer that Jesus should say that bearing fruit is all about prayer. It's all about effectively asking and effectively receiving. God is glorified in that when our requests mirror his heart and mind. So seek the heart and mind of Jesus and pray them to God. this probably deserves more time, but I don't want to drill something into the ground that I think you've got. So let's just finish, because the finish is going to take some time. Jesus is the source of truth to us. As we abide in him by faith, his word is ministered to us in that union. And since faith comes by hearing, our faith is strengthened and our ability becomes more secure. Jesus brings to us the word of truth and that which does not belong in us falls away. I trust that this is your testimony. Jesus repeatedly makes the point that his abiding that this abiding in him bears fruit which brings God glory. Without faith it's impossible to bring God glory. What does it look like when we do have faith? We make our requests known to God. Because we are fed with the truth through our abiding in Him who is truth, we have a renewed knowledge of what we ought to pray for. And even after we come to the end of our knowledge, the Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now I want to invite you to respond to the Word of Christ. By gathering together by twos or threes and to begin exercising your faith by asking God to perform his will for the glory of his name. And it would be a great idea to come back next week with a testimony ready of what God has done in response to your prayers because he's glorified in that. I'm going to pray a short prayer and let's gather up in groups of two or three and spend a little more time bringing requests to God in faith. Amen. Lord Jesus, we praise you for being the true vine and for ministering life and truth to us through our attachment to you so that we might have faith, so that we might be more firmly attached, so that we might bear fruit according to your word. Lord, your will is that we approach the Father with requests that are according to his heart that they might be fulfilled and he might be glorified. So I pray that you would move among us in our prayers and that you would draw us close to your heart and that you would be pleased to answer all our prayers to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church.